This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 57, Submission 011, The Duck Factory. The Duck Factory aired on NBC from April 12th to July 11th of 1984 for 13 episodes. Most folks think that it's a strange occupation. Some folks call it a deranged aggregation. We can't help it. We're just happy this way. Mama always wanted me to be a physician. Dad said he'd rather I become a beautician. But we can't help it. We're just happy this way. Cause it sure beats working for a living. Okay, back to work. Okay, so the Duck Factory. This was the first sitcom starring a young Canadian improv comedian and actor who had just moved to Los Angeles in, I guess, the most erotic case of art imitating life. And today, that young man is Jim Carrey. You mean Dr. Robotnik? Yep. Dr. Robotnik? Dr. Robotnik. I'm talking Dr. Robotnik, I'm talking Ace Ventura, I'm talking Bruce Almighty, I'm talking... Venus de Milo. I'm talking Venus de Milo, I'm talking Lloyd Christmas. Yeah! Mike here. I know it's Vera de Milo, not Venus de Milo. I hope you understand. Jim Carrey, his first sitcom was about... A cartoon studio. You would think that Jim Carrey gets to be all sorts of goofy. We're getting to... We're, we'll get there. Because there's still a lot more to talk about. Vis-a-vis the background of this show, which was basically created by Alan Burns. Do you know who Alan Burns' magnum opus was? No idea. You've never heard of Rhoda. Really? Co created it. He co-created it with uh, James L. Brooks. Whoa. So, again, out of the gate... Oh, and this and this show was produced by uh, Mary Tyler Moore's production company, MTM. So, yeah. Alan Burns, James L. Alan Burns, MTM, Jim Carrey. This thing has guts from the beginning, right? Again. We're getting there. Well... well... Chico, since you mentioned Mary Tyler Moore and given what network this was on, I have a good idea of who greenlit this series. It was, her, it was her husband that was running the network. Well, it's, well for, for whatever that's worth, it didn't, much, didn't go much of anywhere. Skip Tarkenton 
much like the guy who plays him, Jim Carrey, is a naive greenhorn fresh off the bus to Hollywood. Only Skip has uh, a bunch of talent in the uh, drawing and writing phase of the industry, which is good because the studio that he sent it to, well, uh, his founder's dead. Yeah, and I should also add, if you watch the first episode... That is exactly what you see in the first moments of the first episode. So that's not really a promising way of starting your show. You've got everybody carrying the casket of the animation company's founder. That's sort of a downer, especially for what you'd think would be a cheery show about cartoons, or Uh, or at least animation. Yeah. That's either very depressing or just a missed gag. It's like, yeah, I'm here to see Buddy Winkler. They point to the coffin. Oh. Whoops. Yeah, not a good start to the show. Yeah. So they need some fresh so they need some fresh eyes. They need some fresh ink. Against all sorts of reservation, the remnants of Buddy Winkler production decide to hire Skip on. And, of course, their main cartoon is the Dippy Duck Show. So, guess what Skip calls it? The Duck Factory. Okay. That See, that makes sense now. Alright, uh, but unless you think he's the only duck of the bunch, there are other ducks. Uh, Brooks Carmichael, who is the uh, person left in charge of the Duck Factory, is played by Jack Guilford. And if you don't recognize the name, oh my gosh, you recognize the face, because he was on, like, everything back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, He was on Golden Girls. I believe he was one of the boyfriends of one of the characters. Um, He was, I remember, uh, he played an enemy on future installment, an episode of, well, an episode of future installment, the last season of Get Smart, the CBS season, which is really bad, but we'll talk about that later this year. Uh, he also portrayed an alien on Soap. Uh, I believe that was in season three. So he's oh, definitely gotten a, Yeah. That's the alien baby storyline, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh but God. yeah, he was on a whole lot of stuff. Uh, we're talking about the Love Boat, Night Court, Golden Girls, Head of the Class. He was on it all. He was in Cocoon. He was in Cocoon. He was in everything. Well, I shouldn't say everything, but again, he's one of those people you may not recognize the name, but when you see the face, you're like, I know who he is. Oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's, that guy. He's a classic case of, oh, that guy. And then you have Andrea Lowen, played by Nancy Lane, who was on a lot of a lot of stuff in the eighties, including future installment Roomies. I don't know what that is either. Well, she was also on. Well, you just mentioned it uh, a few moments ago. Uh, she was on Rhoda for a brief while. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but also she was on Angie. Future and Salmon Angie. So, so she was definitely a, a veteran. And also she had been on Match Game in the late 70s slash early 80s. Password Plus. She made the rounds. She was a, a, definitely a known entity, as they would say. Yes. Also a known entity, at least nowadays, is Marty Fenneman, played by Jay Tarsus, who is known more and on the industry side of things nowadays. But way back when he was on Future Installments, Open All Night. And that's coming up really soon, too. So buckle in for that. That one's going to be a fun show. Oh, I can't wait for that. Uh, well, he also created... Is this a future installment? I'm sure this has to be the Slap Maxwell story. That's got to be. That's got to be on the list. If that isn't on the list, it's got to be on the list. And then you have Wally Wooster, or Wally Wooster, who is played by perhaps the one of the biggest voice actors in the game. I mean, we are talking. Scooby-Doo himself, Don Messick. Yes, that Don Messick. Yeah, you can't uh, argue that he's one of the best of all time. As far as Hanna-Barbera's uh, cast of characters, he is one of the goats. He, Of course, Wally Wooster voiced Dippy Duck on the Dippy Duck show. So, it would stand to reason Don Messick also played Dippy Duck. Next is uh, Aggie Aylesworth, who is played by Julie Payne, who is on future installment Wizards and Warriors. What? They made a game? They made a movie based on? No, the, the, the TV show predated the game by three years. What? Yeah. Well, Julie Payne was also on another future installment, Leo and Liz in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. And really, that's just about her career right there in two shows. <laughs> well, she did a little bit more, but... Like I whole... said, she was on a lot of shows that were 13 and out. Well, not no more than 13 and out. How about that? Yes, they did not exceed 13 episodes. Okay, then you have Clarence Gilliard Jr., who plays Roland Culp. Of course, Clarence Gilliard, you know him more for his work on Walker, Texas Ranger. Wait, is he is he the old man? No, he's the black dude. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind then. You're thinking of Noble Willingham. Okay, yes, that's right. He was also a character actor. He was on Different Strokes, Facts of Life, 227, Simon and Simon, Riptide. He was even on a commercial for McDonald's. I wonder if he was Calvin. I don't know. Wasn't as great as that uh, commercial with uh, Jason Alexander in the DLT, I'll tell you that much. Nope. And, and Mike, this is the one you were waiting for. Oh, yeah. You, you really saved the best for last. I need to I tell totally you. I totally do. Okay, the widower. The widow. The widow of the ditzy widow and, na- and the new president, CEO, and head of Buddy Winkler Productions, 
Mrs. Sherry Winkler, Teresa Ganzel. What can we say about Teresa Ganzel? Oh more my god. More than that, Mike. I'm sorry? You could say more than that. Oh, there's a lot you can say about her. Uh, obviously, she's been like a game show staple of the 80s. Uh, she was uh, she was a winner on previous installment, $1.98 Beauty Show. She was also one of Art Fern's... I, think, I shouldn't say one of. She was Art Fern's tea time lady, uh, I believe, after uh, Carol Wayne passed. Uh, t- again, talking uh, 80s and... Uh, uh, up until uh, his retirement in the early 90s. But on top of that, and I don't know if Chico met her, what was it, 14 years ago. I, I might have. Yeah, I might have. She was an absolute sweetheart of a person. She, she is was. absolutely darling, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough good stuff about her. She is truly one of the good people in the world. And Mike's, and Mike's hashtag WCW. Only it's Saturday. Your woman crush Wednesday. Oh, um, I thought you meant World Championship Wrestling. No, 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 no. That's uh, I was gonna I was gonna say, Chico. Where's uh where's the four horsemen? I don't she, know. She, you she wrestled... you find a fourth and we'll invite him. No. I, I think she wrestled for the international championship once or twice. So she so she wrestled Ravishing Rick Rude then? Oh, makes sense. Anywho! <laughs> so yeah, you have the gist of the show, you have the cast of the show. Now let's get down... Oh, wait, we, we forgot to establish titles to everything. Uh, we uh, Wally Worcester, he was the chief voice artist, he played Dippy Duck. And Marty Fenneman was a writer... Uh, Brooks Carmichael and Roland Culp were the artists. Andrea Lewin was the editor, and Aggie Ellsworth was the business manager. That makes sense, right? I think we have all of our uh, things covered. Yeah, yep. I think you got it. That's all. Looks like all of our bases are covered, except well. Again, it only lasted 13 episodes. Do you want to talk about the 13 episodes? Yeah, we'll talk about the 13 episodes and and why it didn't survive. Or I think we already partially covered that. Br- briefly looking at the episodes. Uh, episode 1, we mentioned that uh, Skip Tarkenton just uh, moved to L.A. Uh, and uh, was eager to get into the cartoon business. Uh, however, well... When he arrived at the studio, as we mentioned, the owner or founder of the cartoon studio was being carried into a hearse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's not really a positive, optimistic opening to a TV show. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, especially when you have this lighthearted opening. And I don't know if it was on the first show. It would definitely would not be appropriate for the first show. Uh, but on later shows, uh, the opening, there was an animated opening, very effervescent, very, uh, vivacious. It was wacky. It, it was, it was, a, it was wacky. You could say that too, but it, it sort of set the scene for being a goofy, funny TV show. And 
if that aired in episode one, that would be kind of weird, but also at the same time, if it didn't air in episode one, yeah, how are you supposed to sort of measure the the wackiness factor? But also, again, how wacky can you be when the owner of the production studio is being carried into a hearse? Yep. And the other and the other owner is well, Teresa Genzel. Boy, have I ever told you about Teresa Genzel? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Mike, we are not doing that again. No, 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 no. And then episode two uh, was called Filling Buddy's Shoes. Uh, obviously, Buddy's now gone. Who's going to run the show? And Skip's got bigger issues than that because Skip is now living in a back room at the studio. He doesn't have an apartment at this point. And things are not going well for him. Uh, his waterbed breaks. And, you know, it's, it's the 80s. Yeah, waterbeds are a thing. And uh, because of that, his clothes got all wet. And, um, well, the solution was, here, you've got Buddy's clothes. So why don't you put on Buddy's clothes and, you know, nobody will notice. Except everybody noticed he's wearing Buddy's clothes. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that didn't go over terribly well. And then episode three, the Annie's a series of mishaps arise when the staff staff attend the Annie's. Oh, it's an award show where buddy is to receive a posthumous award. Yeah. The Annie's are are the, uh, basically the equivalent of the Oscars in the animation world. Mm hmm. Is that true that the Annie's are yeah. actually a award? Yeah, I it's did... actually a thing. Yep. I, I, well, I, I definitely believe that they were an award. I didn't know that was a real award for the, the purposes of this show. That's kind of interesting, giving it some a sense of realism. Yes. Very cool. Uh, episode four, No Good Deed. Skip learns that No Good Deed goes unpunished when he gives Ginger a job she doesn't deserve and Marty's script a kinder review than it deserves. Yeah, he pretty much overpraises his coworkers. He doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Is basically the gist of that episode. Episode 5, The Way We Weren't. Aggie plans to attend a reunion with her old Navy pals, but when she can't scrounge a date, she has Skip to accompany her, and then hilarity possibly ensues. Yeah. Because it's like, it was one of those things. You expect Jim Carrey to be peak Jim Carrey, but we haven't gotten there yet. Well, that's, least... yeah, that, that's actually one thing I'm noticing thus far is you don't see a, a real breakout role for Jim Carrey here. Plus also, really, the plots thus far are very basic. They're, they're, they're sort of boilerplate sitcom type of uh, uh, plots. N- nothing really unique at this point. And it doesn't really lend itself to a combination animation slash live action sitcom. We'll get to that in a little bit, too. Episode six, Can We Talk? Marty's plagiarism becomes Skip's problem. Don't plagiarize, kids. No. No. Yeah, my my students, that's one of their favorite pastimes is plagiarism. But enough about my life. Yeah. 
Episode 7, The Education of Mrs. Winkler, a.k.a. The Education of Cherie Winkler, uh, written sort of like MASH with asterisks between every letter. In hopes of being smarter, Cherie decides to finally get her high school diploma, and Brooks gives her a helping hand and a little something extra. Did she go to the Did she go to the Ty Lookwell school of getting extra favors that need extra attention? Oh no. By the way, fun fact, this episode aired May 24th, 1984, the day before I was born. <laughs> I I don't know what the takeaway there is. No, I just thought I'd point that out. Okay. Episode 8, Ordinary People 2. Skip helps come up with the cash to fund Andrea's film project, yet doesn't get the thanks one might think. Boy, I've been there. You give them uh, an inch and they take you for a mile. Oh, boy. That's like the story of my life. Yeah, I think we've all been there. But, I mean, at the very least, uh, a film project, you'd think at the end he would get some sort of thanks. Yep. Uh, unless the, the type of thanks he wanted comes from the Ty Lickwell School of Sexual Favors. Um, no, no, it's the Ty Lickwell School of Extra Favors that need extra attention, Mike. Uh, get it? Uh, I, 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 was, I was in the realm, I'm sorry. He didn't is, say is, he want. He didn't say he wanted sexual favors. He just said that, and then the people at the auto shop thought he was implying sexual favors. It was the eighties. We know what they're asking for. You didn't thank me. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. No, I don't mean that way. I mean you didn't thank me. I, I, I mean in my pants <laughs> with my privates. Episode 9, it didn't happen. Oh, speaking of of uh, pants, it didn't happen one night. <laughs> oh, the gang begins to suspect that Skip and Andre are romantically involved. Meanwhile, Marty isn't happy about his new girlfriend, Cherie. Ooh, inner office relationships. That never ends well. Okay, no comments. Uh, okay. Okay, oh, here's an interesting episode. The duck stops here. Wally decides to throw his hat into the Shakespeare ring after his dippy duck voice escapes him. Uh-oh. I think we saw that in the uh, the episode of uh, Greg the Bunny where Warren the Ape uh, tries doing Hamlet in front of Gary Oldman. Didn't work for him. Doesn't work for Wally. Well, he was just contractually bound to, to, to Sweet Knuckle Junction, so... Maybe Wally didn't have a contract. Who knows? <laughs> Episode 11, the children's half hour. It's children's night at the Apollo when Brooke's son and Wally's daughter both want to further their artistic careers to the joy of Brooks and the dismay of Wally. Now you'd think that a parent would want to see their kids continue in the family business. Well, not necessarily family business, but follow their footsteps in, in that line of work. And one was happy and the other was not. Uh, oh, the, oh the, this, this episode title hits too close to home. You always love the one you hurt. Ooh. 
Roland is pressured to quit the animation business and follow in his father's footsteps as a dentist. Meanwhile, the staff consider changing the show when a parents group voted one of the most violent kids programs on TV. Oh, oh hold the phone. Are, are you serious? How are ducks violent? This, this is not a violent TV show. This is not a violent T-shirt. It's, it's, it's animated cartoon happy fun. Come on now. Yeah, you've got dancing hippos in the opening montage, for heaven's sakes. Dancing hippos. Duck. Yeah, dancing hippos and ducks are not violent creatures. At least not in this world. And then the last episode is Call Me Responsible. The ball is in Skip's hands when the show needs someone to fight for it at the network, or it will be canceled. Well, guess what? It was canceled. Well, I mean, the duck, the duck Factory was canceled. Uh, interesting. The show originally aired on Thursday nights at 9.30. Now, I'm going to pose a hypothetical to you. If this, a hypothetical. If this premiered a year later, with Cheers really getting off the ground, with the Cosby show on Thursday nights premiering in 1984... Fall of 84, I should add. And also with Family Ties, do you think that the Duck Factory somehow gets some traction? Yes. A little really? bit, yeah. Okay, I, I was very uh, unimpressed with the show. Uh, it, it's, it's just a very interesting hypothetical because what actually happened is right near the end of the run, I, I th- it was in June of, of 84, Duck Factory moved from Thursday nights at 9.30 to Wednesday nights at 9.30. And the show that was at Wednesday night at 9.30 moved to Thursday at 9.30, a little show called Night Court. And the rest and is the re- history. Yeah, the, the rest is history. And uh, Night Court did not have good ratings for starters, but obviously once you're following Cheers and you have family ties and Cosby show before that you're sort of carrying the night or, or you're, you're sort of being carried by the ratings of uh, those three shows. Even if you're bad, which night court, I mean, if you've and, listened and to this podcast, in its, infinite, in its infancy night court was struggling, I guess you could say, well, night court had a number of issues. Um, but, uh, you know, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know how much I like Night Court. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't find its footing until probably season three. As I jokingly say, once they found a bailiff who could survive a full season. Yeah. Well, and that would also, be season four, actually. Yeah, well, that's what Marsha well, Wolffield's on. Well, yeah, but but yeah. also, you didn't have Marky Post. and it's you, true. And you, you didn't, didn't have, have Marky Post. You didn't have Charlie Robinson. You didn't have, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, you had Selma Diamond, and uh, and they were good, but uh, you just didn't have that cohesion, that chemistry until season three, season four, and then it was just a house on fire for a good four or five seasons, even if the ratings didn't necessarily say so in seasons seven and eight. Which we'll get to on a and future then, podcast. Yeah, and, and then, you know, season nine, the final season, is another one of those entries of a show that lasted one season too long. But again, I, uh, I'm talking uh, way too soon and giving way too much up. 
But yeah, so uh, so the Duck Factory ended up on Wednesday nights at uh, at nine thirty uh, for the remainder of its run, uh, which was not terribly long. It was probably in the range of about four, five, six episodes at most, uh, and the ratings definitely did not uh, merit a renewal. It ranked sixty fourth in nineteen eighty. Yeah, nineteen eighty. I'm guessing about eighty-ish or ninety-ish TV shows. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but it, it was fair to say it was in the bottom third. Yeah, interesting thing though. I'm looking at the IMDb page, and again, there again, there's a bunch of wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge to the animation industry. Uh, some of the guest stars include Kenneth Mars. Keone Young, and a guy by the name, you, you may have heard of him, guys, Frank Welker. Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And another and another lady, uh, you may have heard of her, uh, some some lady by the, some nice lady by the name of June Foray. Oh, yeah. We just lost her recently within the last about two or three years. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely had, like, I'd almost say the Mount Rushmore of cartoons if you take away Mel Blanc, and uh, uh, I'm sure there's one or two other voices I'm forgetting, but when you're talking about June Foray, who was Rocky in Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Frank Welker, you know, it's almost like Don Messick. What didn't he do? Yeah, in fact, uh, Frank Welker and Don Messick would uh, work together on the Scooby-Doo series. Frank Welker plays Fred, and Don Messick played Scooby. Yes, Frank Welker did human voices once upon a time. Well, is there anything else you want to add, Chico? Uh, only that for a, for a lot of um, its sort of dependency on animation, you would kind of expect it to be at least partly animated. That's, yeah, that's the other drawback. That That's the other thing I wanted to mention is you're focusing on a cartoon, yet how much animation are you actually showing? Not much. Very little. Yeah. yeah. That, that Lizzie a... McGuire, it's like Lizzie McGuire did it better, and uh, actually student bodies from the late 90s also did it better. Yeah, and, and I know this is and on a The thing of it so. is, and and if you think about it, student bodies is basically what happens if you, if a Saved by the Bell and the Duck Factory had a baby while on holiday in Canada. Yikes. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if the animation would have helped. Uh, it aired at 9.30, which, yeah, a little bit late for the kids to be watching. So maybe it was meant to be a more adult-oriented show. But it just reminds me of another show that was set in an animation studio and I don't remember much animation on this show too. And that might be part of the reason why it died. I'm speaking of future installment, Bob, Bob, the, the Bob Newhart show three years or so after Newhart. Yeah. that yeah. I think that was actually a comic book he was writing. Well, yeah, it's still in the, the same field yeah. animation cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. And and a thing of it is is uh, this show is again one of those shows that it was 
too serious for a comedy, but too comic for a drama. It was a it was a dramedy in an era where dramedies did not exist yet. Yeah, because dramedies wouldn't really be a thing until thirty something. Yeah, yep. and that that would be a good three, four, five years later. Yeah. Well, if that's it, I've got one more thing to add. What's that? It's time for eBay Prices Right. Okay, guys, today's item, it's three cells from the Duck Factory. Ooh. They're, they're three cells. Uh, this sold, I believe, back in March. And uh, the three cells, two of them are the Duck Factory logo. Uh, one looks like it's zoomed in a little more than the other. And the third one has a duck holding a broom. And in the back, uh, stenciled in, in pencil, or, or, yeah, you can say stenciled, well, yeah, uh, outlined in pencil, it says starring Jim Carrey. But that's not part of the cell. That's like a piece of of, uh, of paper or some material behind it, okay? Some okay. certificate of authenticity sort of thing? Uh, well, I mean, it gives it authenticity because it's written in the same style as the, the logo, with that, uh, that, that really, uh, how do you describe it? Just goofy animation, that goofy kind of font. Hmm. So yeah. there's three cells. You've got two with the name of the TV show. You've got one with a duck holding a broom with starring Jim Carrey and pencil behind it. And as I said, this sold back in, in uh, March, if I do uh, remember correctly. And we will start with Greg. How much do you think these three cells Sold for on eBay. I will say $47.99. $47.99. Okay. Chico. Um, I'm going to go with uh, $58. Oh, you're giving him $10 and a penny there. Oh, will that hurt? Well, the actual price these three sales sold for is $99. What? Are you kidding me? $99. Really? $99. That's a lot for some plastic with some oil on it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but you know what? I would pay even more than that for cells of different cartoons. Me, I don't know if I'd necessarily pay that much for the Duck Factory, but if somebody put up a cell from... Any number of shows from the 60s or 70s, just one cell I'd pay, you know, maybe $200. Hmm. Also, I'm sure it's supply and demand. Are Duck Factory cells really in demand? Not really. No. Well, it could be something for the museum. Could be. Well, that was another installment of eBay Prices Right. Yep. What can I say about the Duck Back 3? Again, a dramedy in a, an age where dramedies did not exist. Jim Carrey on television? Are you kidding me? Well, gotta tell you, in 1984, it was a thing on TV. 
and there weren't cartoons. I mean, that would be a bummer. I don't remember the show growing up, but it's like, okay, if you're doing a show that's a, a talk, uh, that's set in an animation studio, you'd think there might be a subplot where, oh, well, we're working on this week's cartoon and Dippy Duck is going to, uh, you know, get a job or, or, you know, whatever. And you'd think they'd have some sort of, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done arguing. Well, I'm done. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now: the season finale of The Blacklist is doing more animation than your typical episode of The Duck Factory. Yeah, that's very true. Because watching some of these episodes, as I said, in a number of shows, the only animation was done in the opening credits, mm-hmm. and I didn't even stick around for the closing credits to see if that was animated too. Which it could have been, but still. If you're talking 30 seconds on each side, that's a minute of, of animation. That's not a whole heck of a lot. But also, we need to remember animation costs money. Yes. That might be yep. a reason. That might be a reason it got canceled too, or at least didn't do anim- uh, that much animation. Is animation costs money? Was Night Court cheaper in the end? It is getting better ratings. So, yeah, it, it isn't just a ratings game. It's also a money game. So, yeah. But but enough uh, analysis of, of the television business. Hey, we got a website. Did you know that? Really? We have a website, Mike? I, I'm not you kidding, kidding you. Yeah. Is it? A, it was a thing on TV.com? Oh, my gosh. It's like you've been there once or twice. Does it have all of our social feeds and, every th- and all of our past episodes? Every last one. Oh, man. And all... And, and also, it's got our email address. Please feel free to email us and let us know how we're doing. Or if you've got suggestions, please send them our way. Uh, it's at contact at it was a thing on TV.com. Yeah. Until, oh, 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 okay. oh. All right, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say that I'm just going to speak for Mike and Greg for a moment. Um, we always say like, comment, subscribe, and share because sharing is caring. You're going to want to do all this and more to the next episode, because this episode is the primary reason why the three of us are here doing this. Yes. More or less, yes. I, I would uh, agree with that. And th- this is one that has been definitely uh, a work in progress for the last, what, eight months? Yes. Seven months? Yes. And I've made damn Just sure that, that this episode is, and this show is going to get the attention it deserves, damn it. This is Greg's magnum opus. This, oh, yeah. this, is, this is his shining moment. I don't care what you say about Tag Team. This is going to be like ten times better than Tag Team, I think. Oh, yes. At, at the end of the show, we're going to have Luper Vandross singing one shining moment. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Uh, I can't promise that. But we can promise you that. Oh, yeah. The next show... Uh, at least one of us has definitely done our homework on that show. Yes, and I guarantee you, this episode will leave you hashtag one eight hundred two three five dead. Literally, I can't wait to see what happens there. So, uh, again, thank you for listening to this episode, and uh, thank you to Greg and Chico for your contributions. I'm Mike, and we'll be back later this week with. In somebody's mind, maybe the best episode ever of It Was a Thing on TV. Row! Here's the cat. Quack!